Welcome back to License to Chill, the Margaritaville podcast. I am Patrick. And I am Ryan. This is your weekly escape from whatever you're up to. Come hang out with us. Uh, take a little trip uh, down some sort of lane. Could be memory lane. Could be relaxation lane. Yeah. We're like a bowling alley. We've got a lot of lanes. <laughs> That's how everyone describes our podcast. So everyone calls our podcast. Bowling alley. Exactly. We're a bowling alley of fun, man. We're a tropical bowling alley. And we have such a great guest today. I had so much fun in this conversation. Um, We are checking out the list of coral reefers that we have gotten to speak to. And uh, this person's been on our list for a long time, Ryan. Yeah, he has. Uh, Really incredible guy. Super, super sweet person. Uh, Thrilled that we got a chance to speak with him. Our guest today has been the bass player for the Coral Reefers since 1989 when he made his album debut on Off to See the Lizard. Since then, he's been a bright light at every Buffett concert. We also call him the Vibe Check. (laughs) We talked to him today about working with Jimmy, dealing with the loss of a friend, and being funky as a diaper. More on that soon. Please (laughs) welcome Jim Mayer. Jim Mayer, thank you so much for joining us. How you doing, man? I am doing well, and it is so good to see you all, and it's also good to kind of be a little part of the lovely crews that you guys are a part of as well. So thanks. We appreciate for it. Yeah, we, we feel very lucky to be involved as well with uh, with with everything that's been going on. Um, how, how's everything going? How how have you been? I know it's been kind of a crazy few months, and uh, I know we're kicking off on kind of a, a tough period, but. Uh, you're our first coral reefer we've gotten to speak to since everything's been going down. And, uh, you know, our hearts obviously have been going out to you guys. We've been thinking about you constantly. Um, yeah. How's everything been? Well, thank you. What a, what a great question and a great way to start. Um, you know, what I'm left with is a feeling of gratitude. Uh, that's where it settled in. When I first got the news, like all of us, I was completely shocked. Um, It wasn't a total surprise. You know, we, uh, those of us in the band had different, some of us were completely surprised. And I tend to be a little bit, I can kind of read the the tea leaves, if if you will. And there were some little things in communications that just indicated to me that it might be coming sooner than we wanted, right? And so when we got the news, it was utterly shocking. And for the first couple, and I think this is normal, for the first like two to three days, uh, I was just like, where am I? You know, that feeling like that I put the tea there, where's the coffee? Like, where's the, like, I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Um, and, and we, you know, uh, very warm communication within the band and within uh, the band's management. Uh, we all kind of huddled up a little bit uh, together uh, via text and, and then individually on calls, and it just felt good to connect. My measure of how important something is, is, you know, if if we feel grief or sadness, I mean, my metrics for that are like, you know, there's got to be gratitude on the other side of it, because if it wasn't a treasure, we wouldn't be, you know, feeling like it. And so I think that feeling of disbelief that the fans also shared was something we felt. And, um, what I've been left with is this incredible sense, I mean, any time of gratitude, anytime you get to do something for 35 years, which is just bizarre that you love. And, and, and that of course is the high level perspective, right? That's the takeaway. Wow, I got to be with this legend and with this incredible group of people for all of these years. Um, that's the high level and in the day to day, uh, as we all know, is is a mixed bag of it's a life is a box of chocolates. You know, it's like one day you're like, oh, my God, like like I still think, um, you know, hey, we're going to like so we're going on tour. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. it's, you know, <laughs> right. It's going right. to be March soon and we're going to fire up the jets and start yeah. you know rehearsing. And 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 I'll, I'll have to kind of do a double take and think, no, this is it. And, you know, a friend said something that just really touched me. And he said, you know, Jimmy is the master storyteller and you guys were part of the story and closer to the story than a lot of people get to be. And, um, you know, I, I know it's a little cliched and, but, but you really don't know what you have until it's gone, you know, and Mm. it's just true of life because I, I did know, you know, he's getting up in age. You want him to last forever. 
and I, it still feels doesn't it feel a bit surreal? It so does. Surreal. Yeah, it's, it's it still hits me. You know, I'll drive and you know he, hear a song and be like, oh man, can't wait to hear that one again live. And then it just you're like, oh, that's not gonna happen. It's, and yeah, yeah, it's 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 strange. Yeah, it's yeah. really really it's really strange. But I I think there has been something very beautiful about how many people are mourning this at the same time. There's such a community and, and being able to go off of, you know, you guys and, and getting to see how you guys are kind of shepherding all of these people who are also mourning. I mean, that's, that's something we had to do a little bit with Radio Margaritaville and that's a whole uniquely new experience because, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it, it's just, it's very strange in a way, but it's kind of beautiful that we're all in this together in, in, in very many ways. It, absolutely. And if I can just riff off that and echo off that, one of the things I love about Jimmy Buffett is how it was about so much more than him. You know, it wasn't all about, hey, I'm awesome. I'm cool. Look at how great I am. Uh, just the opposite. He used to say, you know, once I wrote a song, once I write a song, it's not my song anymore. It's your song. Yeah. That, yeah. So, right. Isn't that yeah. so cool? And and, I, and it also is important, I think, to, and this was something someone taught me, Ralph McDonald taught me this, um, that I at first didn't see, is that there was a history before Jimmy, you know, Harry Belafonte, you know, th- there's there's a history there and that, that Jimmy latched onto and then expanded and then he made it his own and, and it's being carried on. And I think what feels good to me, and, and this is, from what I understand, this is from Bubba's lips, you know, uh, have fun, keep the party going. You know, the party doesn't need to stop. And I feel heartened that that's what he would want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. absolutely. I mean, it's totally. amazing to see the band now as, you know, cross-generational with, you know, Mick and Aaron and your nephew Brendan. And it's so cool just to see everybody uh you know like you said keeping that party going keeping things uh you know moving so what has that been like over the past couple years to kind of see that blossom yeah it's a it's a beautiful question um you know amen to what you just said uh cross-generational one of the things that amazes me about jimmy buffett this is a guy who's in the songwriting hall of fame this is a guy who's one of the top entertainers and will leave a historic mark on all of us for years to come. And as you pointed out, and I, I was stunned when, when he passed the outpouring of love. And I talked to so many people, not to compare with other artists, but they just said, I just feel like I've lost a friend. You know, that impact is so huge. So here's this incredible legendary guy i've had the good fortune of spending probably hundreds of hours in the studio with him watching him interact with us and with other people i've watched this man sit down with a new artist an 18 year old a 20 year old a 22 year old you would think he was 16 and learning how to write songs he's curious He's engaged. He's like, where did you come up when my nephew, Brendan, and, and the fact that uh, Brendan, uh, Peter's son, the fact that Jimmy featured Brendan, I think it was on the 2014 tour. I'm not I, right around that. How many artists out there? And, and I love so many of these artists. And I met John Bon Jovi. He's a great guy. And this is I'm not picking on him. I'm saying picture John Bon Jovi saying, hey, one of my team, one of my bandmates is, is their, their son is really good. And I'm going to just give him the stage. Yeah. Right? I mean, any artist who does that. Yeah. Right? It's so, it's it's so, so funny cool. you bring that up. I was just listening to the episode we did with Peter and Brendan and Peter mentioned that when Brendan got to go up and do his thing on stage, that Jimmy would go back with Eric and just play shakers, which is so cool. So fun. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's it's really been cool to see Mick and Aaron as well. Oh my gosh, they are so brilliant. And you know, when we were recording Life on the Flip Side in Key West, right before the pandemic, and the song Book on the Shelf, and I didn't know who had written it. And so we played this song, and I'm like, oh my God, this thing is a work of genius, yeah. you know? And then they're like, yeah, Mick and Aaron wrote it. And I'm like, like these these kids are really sharp. They're really thoughtful. They pay attention. And I loved it. And on this new 
uh, CD, uh, this new album, um, uh, new collection of songs, Jimmy really brings Mick up. And Mick just came in with some beautiful compositions. Yeah, it's incredible. Totally. Um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your energy, specifically, Jim, as well. We're talking about all these incredible energies. Uh, you're one of the best people to watch at a Jimmy Buffett concert. If I do say so myself, you're so uh, smiley and happy and joyful. And it feels like I'm watching you enjoy playing a song for the first time. Like it's, it's truly, mm-hmm. I, I feel like you're my, you're, you're my checkpoint. If I'm like, if I'm feel like I'm zoning out, I'm like, Oh, this Jim's having a great time. I'm having a good time now. A vibe check for sure. A vibe check for <laughs> sure. You're our vibe check. So I wanted to talk to you about that because you bring such an incredible energy on stage. Where does it come from? Have you always had it? Like, wh- how are you, how are you bringing that forward every single show? Boy, that I am so honored you guys said that. Thank you. Um, you know, it's an, it's intentional for me, and and it, it it's an intention. Um, and and so I'll talk a little bit about it. Um, so first of all, to me, why do we play music? Why do we listen to music? Why do people fly across the globe to see a show? They want to experience something bigger than themselves that we all share that just feels fantastic, right? And and it feels so good, you kind of even can't put a word on it, right? It's right. like, uh, words are like, you know, how do you put that into a sentence? I mean, it's just, you, you got to go. You yeah. got to be there. And there was a turning point for me because there's a lot of different ways you can look at what Jimmy built, what he does, right? A lot of people unfamiliar with parrot heads and unfamiliar with all the awesome clubs and all the charity work they do they make the mistake of thinking that it's all just a big drunken debauchery party and everyone just you know and and hey look look at let everyone enjoy themselves and each other as they choose you know harm no one that's all good right but that's actually way more going on and it was a turning point for me when a friend pulled me aside. He was actually a friend here in Boston. And he said, um, he said, I just want to let you know, I got to see Robert Nesta Marley in concert when he was living. And this is the only time I felt the same energy. Wow. I was like, wait a minute. Seriously? He goes, yeah. He said, it's the only time. And so I emailed Jimmy and I said, you got to just, I just want to share this with you. And there was a point in my, um, in my musical career, whatever, because I come from a jazz background, which is very technical and you play lots of notes and that's all cool. But when you're playing bass for Margaritaville, (laughs) the bass is literally, I'm like, people say, well, play the bass part, man. I'm like, it's literally boom, boom, boom. (laughs) That's it, right? So, so, so because Jimmy's music was so simple and because I could play it in my sleep, and I was smart enough to pay attention and to notice that there were great musicians in Nashville, people I was studying from, Glenn Wharf, that were making more of the notes than just the notes. There was a story. Wow. And I came up with this idea of what I call note quality. And all it means is it's what I realized is that it does matter what you're feeling when you're playing. When you're into it, people can feel that. Because the music, right? So that shifted my whole focus and it's it's really intentional for me. I mean, like on show day, I like I meditate, I stretch, I think about the songs in the show. And you know, I'll I'll quote, I heard this hilarious, I'll quote Carlos Santana because he's one of my heroes. And I'll, I'll quote, I'll get a little, I'll just dip my toe in the spiritual pond a little for a second. Because so Carlos Santana is being interviewed by this NPR, um, you know, uh, interviewer. And she kept saying, so what makes you so good? Like, what, what is so different about what you do? And, and he said something to the effect of, you know, I'm just letting God speak to me. I'm through. Yeah. Me. I'm just letting. And she kept saying, well, you know, but it's your skill, right? You're very skilled. And he, and he, you know, he kept going back to the light. He kept going back to the energy that we all share. There's something bigger than us. And yeah. I kind of don't care what we call it, frankly, it, but we all know it when we feel it, we all know that we belong and it just feels so good to be present with each other and experiencing this. And so as you could tell, 
creating that mindset takes time, right? Yeah. Be focused on what's in the news. You can't be, we, we, because we're creating Margaritaville when people, and so there is no 99%. It does not exist. You're all in or you go home. And, and playing with Jimmy was something in, in a buddy of mine has a great saying. He said, we don't take ourselves seriously, but we take our work seriously. And so playing with Jimmy and th- what I would think is, what if this is the only concert that that person out there sees for this whole year, right? Or maybe this is the, the only Buffett show they ever get to. And I'm doing three shows a week, right? And so it was a very intentional shift. And you know what it ended up being? It ended up being like with anything, you practice it a lot, you get better at cultivating joy. Yeah. You get better at it. It's in, right. And so I started really enjoying being joyful. And I'm like, you know, this feels really good. <laughs> you know, That's like, so cool. Why would I want to be bummed out? You know, I love that. Uh, you know, something you said a little bit earlier which was, uh, you know, you could play these notes in your sleep. It was very simple, very easy, but you decided to lean in to the quality of it. That is such a, a lesson that I think for a young artist, especially a perfectionist, it sounds like you take your art very seriously. That's a really hard thing to come to, which is this currently isn't challenging, challenging, but if you throw yourself into the quality, if you buy better ingredients for the sandwich, it makes a better sandwich. You don't have to find, you don't have to make a new recipe. You have to have the best quality of what yeah. you're doing. And that is, uh, it's really hard to come to that, I think, for a lot of people. So it's amazing you found that. Well, thank you so much. And the good news is we get we each get to do that in our own way. Yeah. You guys can do that as what in what you're doing and in, in doing this interview. And the listener can do it in what they're doing. And it just feels so good to imbue to infuse our life with meaning. And and it's almost like who who cares if it's not real or not? You know, who right, cares right. If maybe there's not really a Frank and Lola. Who cares? Right? <laughs> We're just having a good time. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about how you even got involved. I mean, I know you were involved with um, a PM, right? It was you and, and Roger and Peter. That's how you guys started out. And uh, then you guys got brought on during Off to See the Lizard, correct? Yes. yes. Um, yeah. We were with Warner Brothers Records. We got signed to Warner Brothers right before we uh, met Jimmy Buffett. And what basically happened is pretty much when a new band gets signed to a label, they will go out on tours opening up for other artists. So it's very common and the the label will put you on tours. And one of the tours that Warner Brothers put us on was a tour with uh, the band Chicago. Mm. And it just so happened that um, there were two people who were in Jimmy's camp that uh, who were independently of each other hearing about us. And one of them was uh, Jimmy's producer, Elliot Shiner, who produced our album. And the story we were told is MCA Records had gone to Elliot and said, hey, we'd love for you to work with Jimmy on this off to see the Lizard project. Um, And then Elliot had been working with us. And it was one of those right time, right place kind of things where I think Jimmy was really ready for a change. The musicians who came before us are brilliant. I I stand on their shoulders, you know, and, and I'm in awe of them because they created iconic music that so many people still love but for whatever reason this was a time for a change and we were the new folks and jimmy is so open to plan b and he was like let's give it a try and um and roger to his credit this is kind of unusual for drummers other than don henley or some other folks but roger i'll never forget this um roger goose the drummer with jimmy buffett and he's the drummer with peter and me on warner and so we had a friend in St. Louis named Jay Oliver who used to play with Jimmy for a couple of years. Jay had a studio and Roger and Jay would write together. I walked into the studio and there's a stack of Buffett albums, like vinyl, right? Like just, I don't know, like 20 albums, this big stack. And they listened to nothing but Buffett for three weeks. And Roger ended up, I think something like 10 cuts, 10 songs he co-wrote wow. on uh, Off to See the Lizard, which mm. has never been done again. Right. Wow. Kind of bizarre. Yeah. He wrote, uh, you know, take another road, um, even off to see the lizard is I think he's one of the writers on that. Uh, incredible, just 
totally hitting it out of the park. So there was an immediate synergy there. And then we go to New York and um, Jimmy has this just bubbly, fun eagerness to just explore stuff and just try stuff. And it makes it very fun to be in the studio because the studio can be pretty intimidating. Yeah. You know, and, I mean, I don't know if it is for you guys, you guys are recording artists in your own way. And, you know, but when you're playing music or singing or whatever you're doing, you know, you can get under your skin or get in your head a little bit like, oh, my God, this is going to be like etched in vinyl for the sure. next, you know, right? A lot of pressure. Yeah. A lot of pressure. So Jimmy had this way of making things really fun. And so we, at the time, it was just a gig for us. It was, and, and that, that's that's not accurate, but, you know, we were happy to have another gig and we were going to go about our way. Jimmy invited us to Key West and he said, I'd love for you guys to come down and play my club. So we went down to Key West and his family and friends apparently really liked us. Um, even though we looked wacky, I had this flock of vultures haircut. Black hair and this huge wedge and I looked really pissed off. We I'm need to sure see why. the photos. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you well, I just like to say it made sense at the time. You know, it seemed like a good idea. I believe it. You had to be there. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely had to be there. Yeah, right. The Black of Vultures also with the oversized shirt, the cartoon shirt, like uh, um, David Byrne, you know. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, nice. <laughs> but, but Jimmy was just so open-minded. And so we played his club. And the next morning before he left town, he said, you know, come by my place. And he said, you want to go on tour this this summer? And we were like, sure, that'd be great. And, um, you know, we really honestly grew up on uh, the Beatles, Elton John, you know, also Peter Gabriel. And then you get into all the jazz, Pat Metheny and all that kind of stuff. And so it's not that we didn't hugely respect Jimmy or whatever, but it wasn't like we were giddy, starstruck. Oh, it's, you know, we were just like, okay, this is cool. This guy's really cool. His music's cool. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Oddly, that worked to our advantage because mm. what it did is it made us really relaxed. Yeah. We were just chilling out, right? Because it gets uncomfortable when people are like nervous around you. Like that doesn't yeah. feel very good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, right. uh, you know, I'm guessing, I'm guessing that it was comfortable for him. And he was like, hey, come out on tour. And so once I got on tour, oh my God, I will never forget the first San Diego like college stadium i'm 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 not sure what get had to be like 88 or 89 anyway it's the first like large show i remember and we're up there playing and i look out and there's like this huge conga line and they're carrying this like shark <laughs> and i'm like wait a minute what <laughs> so what are funny. these people doing what did i stumble I, into <laughs> right that's so funny <laughs> Exactly. What did I stumble into? So I just looked out there and I started laughing and I'm like, man, I don't know what's going on, but this is, this is incredible. That's um, so fun. And yeah. And then the end of it is, is that, uh, that was also the time of Seattle grunge, right? And so Nirvana, and it was actually comical looking back on it because the labels suddenly wanted us to be really pissed off. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> We're three. We're three guys from Missouri. What have we got to be pissed off? About? <laughs> <laughs> gonna, I'm gonna have to work really hard. Oh, that's so funny to think about. I've never thought about that era, but of course, everyone was like, "Okay, so now why are you mad? Now we're all mad. <laughs> right. So the next few years, we're all gonna be mad." <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot. It's a, quite a, a little bit of whiplash, I think. <laughs> totally. And Jimmy, little did we know. Jimmy fit us perfectly. And yeah. I just love that about life. Sometimes you get put into uh, situations that you may not have said planned out and said, oh yeah, that's, that's how it would work out. And exactly to your point, you know, why, who wants to be mad for two years? So right. it ended up being so chill with Jimmy and uh, here we are. That's right? so cool. That here we are. Here we are. Uh, do you have any like quintessential Jimmy stories, whether they be on stage or off stage? We uh, talked to I we think we talked to Mike and Robert recently, and they were telling us a little bit about the Millennium Show, the which skits. Was, the skits. <laughs> I don't know if there's any wild skits you remember that you recall that y you loved, or or anything you had to do on stage that you're like, what is this moment of my life? Oh my gosh. Well, um, okay. So since they're there, since uh, Mike and Robert are are talking about skits, I, I do have a, a 
a bunch of stories. And but, but the one when you mentioned Skit, where my mind went, and I don't know if they mentioned this, but um, we were in Dallas, and Jimmy had this idea of doing Let's Get Drunk and Screw, but referencing the Woody Allen movie. I think it's everything you always wanted to know about sex, where he yes. dressed up as a sperm. Oh. <laughs> I've heard about this. <laughs> if, if I'm repeating their story, no, then please no, use their take us through it. Yes, take us through it. Yeah, let's hear it. <laughs> but, but okay, so so Jimmy, you know, and, and it's so funny with Jimmy because he's like a little kid, and you know, like. And, and also very last minute, right? So this is, and I still, I, I tell people this all the time. I'm like, guys, you don't understand here. Like Madonna, U2, name any big band. They're rehearsing for like three months, six months. Every minute, every second is timed with triple replicated computers. Jimmy, you're at Wrigley Field. And he's like, so what are we going to play tonight? <laughs> I mean, don't get, don't get me wrong. He's got the set list, but he's, he's still like, yeah, this might feel good. Let's, You're tinkering a little yeah. bit. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. So we're in Dallas, and he's kind of like, you know, it would really be fun to do this Woody Allen. I don't know if he saw it or something. I don't know. He had this idea. So he gets a sperm outfit, and he comes out in this thing, and he looked like a little <laughs> You look like a large white rat. <laughs> That's all you can get last minute. <laughs> I just love the people in the very back of the audience. Like, what? What is what he is doing? He's being a rat for this. <laughs> he, tried to play, he tried to play a clip of the, the Woody Allen movie to give it context. <laughs> I remember looking out at the audience. They were just like... Who is that? <laughs> Why does he look like a rat? You know? oh. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh wow, man. what a cool story. Uh, do Do you have a memorable tour? I mean, you you all started at a time um, in, in Buffett's career when, I mean, you know, like obviously a lizard just come out. Fruitcakes was huge. Are there any memorable tours that you remember being a part of? This I'm sure they're all memorable in their own in their own way. But is there any that stick out in your mind? Yeah, the Junkanoo tour with the uh, with fruitcakes, man, that was incredible mm. uh, because the costumes that we wore and his costumes, and I just love how Jimmy brought the whole Junkanoo, which uh, which is a Bahama festival, uh, and there's Junkanoo dancers. There's there's a whole feeling of carnival, right? And and dressing up, so that was really fun for me. Um, and I think, uh, you know, part of where my mind goes is to just different events or venues, like playing Wrigley Field. That's that's an unbelievable feeling. Um, or Fenway Park. or And all of the venues are really cool in their own way, but there's some that just, they hit you and you just look out there and you're like, I can't believe that I'm doing this, you know? Um, one story I love to tell that's a backstage story uh, about Jimmy, and it just speaks so much to, to kind of his courage as a as a human being. Um, is we, this is years ago? So this is before cell phones and before the internet. So it was, must have been like the early '90s. And we're playing a venue called Meriwether Post in the Washington D.C. area, and Paul McCartney's playing across town, and Paul's doing some big stadium gig. And so Jimmy wants to do uh, Rocky Raccoon in honor of Paul McCartney. And so we're, you know, he like calls us back to the dressing room because you can't just go on the internet or go on your phone and say, let's get the lyrics for Rocky Raccoon. Right. And, you know, you can't just run out to it, you know, anyway. So he's like, let's all get together and let's put together this song so we can remember it. And so he's fumbling, you know, and, and by the way, the guitar techs and the crew on Buffett are like, you know, absolute the best in the business. They've worked with everybody. I mean, they've worked with Robert Plant and Madonna and you name it. They've worked with it. Prince. So they get very jaded. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so they, this guitar tech walks in and gives Jimmy the guitar and he's hanging out with us. And Jimmy starts fumbling through Rocky Raccoon and the guitar tech, which my jaw dropped, but he asked Jimmy, so 
wow, you're you're kind of fumbling with this. And the show's like in a couple hours. Like, aren't you afraid of making a fool of yourself? <laughs> and I was like, huh? And Jimmy didn't miss a beat. And he looked at him and he said, you know, I'm not a great singer. I'm not a great guitarist, but I'm a damn good Jimmy Buffett. I've been making a fool of myself since the beginning of my career, and I'm not going to stop now. <laughs> That's like, amazing. Uh, right. And I, I mean, I will remember as much of that, maybe you know, a, a, a third of that or, or a, an eighth of that is is my words. But I remember Jimmy saying this that to this guy. And I was like, holy shit. Like, <laughs> this dude freaking knows who he is. Yeah. And oh, my course, God. We all know the end of the story. He goes out there. He sings it. And the crowd goes wild. Yes, yeah, of course. Yeah. Because he's a damn good Jimmy Buffett. Absolutely. Yeah. What a cool story. Amazing. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, Jim, too, about uh, uh, another type of performance you do that I'm sure you think, uh, how how am I doing this right now? Which you perform in schools, right? You perform for kids. Yeah, I'd that's amazing. I'd love to hear about that. I, I have an experience in children's theater, too, and I've I've performed in schools as well. And so I I'm, uh, really? I can't wait to hear what you do. But tell us a little bit about your show that you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, thank you. And I'd love to hear about what, what you do with uh, with that as well. So that came about very, as much, uh, very much as a happy accident. And I started, uh, I like to tell people my brain is a Chia pet. I can just write, especially kids songs. I write kids songs almost on the spot. Wow. Uh, just really quick. It is just something I, I do. And so I started writing all these kids songs for fun when I first moved to Nashville. And because Jimmy has great connections, I was in DC, I gave my CD uh, to somebody at the XM Sirius, a guy named Kirk Gilchrist, he gave it to the Kids Channel. Long story short, literally within two months, I get an email um, that said, your song is gonna be top 10 (laughs) nationwide next week. No way! (laughs) No kidding. A song I wrote called Funky as a Diaper. <laughs> I should, I got to send you the track. Right? Yeah, I can, we, can, we, can we play it right now in the episode? Oh, please. Okay, yeah. No, so I'll, imagine I'll, we're playing I'll, it. Yeah, yeah. That's play great. It, and I, I will email you the MP3. Love so, it. Love it. Thank you. <laughs> that's awesome. Funky as a Diaper. I'm a natural at being me, got no responsibilities. I eat and sleep from nine to five, and when I'm done, I'm super jive, I'm funky. Funky as a diaper. So funky. Funky as a diaper. I'm a little Buddha, dig my fat. This birthday suit is where it's at. Keep me fed and bathed and changed. I guarantee to keep it strange, I'm funky. Funky as a diaper. So funky. Funky as a uh-huh. Now mama, she's my number one Makes it right, gets it done Carries me round in a sling Check it out, the girl can sing Don't want no bottle, get real No solid food, that's the deal I'm one with nature, got no teeth When I grow up, I'll have some milk and cookies We're talking beverage farm here, baby Yeah That funky Bigger than fat, what's slicker than slim? Dig it, it's Uncle Jim. Funky as a diaper. Funky as a diaper. What's colder than cool? What's hipper than hot? Uncle Jim, check it out. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing for the first time on American soil, the great drummer, you gotta suck it to me. Uh, you gotta speed up, man. Uh, that's it, come on, come on, come on. You got it. You, whoa, whoa. You gotta chill, man. Uh, slow down, baby. You got to suck it to me, man. That's it. That's it. That's definitely not it. Our family is super tight in the groove day and night. Now, Daddy, he's another kind. He's so cool it really blows my mind. We're funky. Funky as a diaper. So funky.
So, so Nadira sings this song. In fact, what's weird is Nadira sings the song, and I still remember this clearly. She sang the vocal in Boston in a hotel room, which is kind of ironic. Anyway, so I write this song, Funky as a Diaper. It becomes number one hit on satellite radio for 36 weeks. Oh, my god! They finally have to just pull it off. They're like, okay, you, you got to get out of here. Yeah. So, so a teacher friend said, you know, people come to schools and play music. You should come to schools and play music. So I started to go to schools and play music. And everywhere I went, the kids were just completely locked on me. And they, they still are. And I, I didn't really understand it. I'm like, wow, they're really paying attention to me. So I asked the teachers, I'm like, well, we might as well do some good here. I said, uh, what do you all need help with? Because they're <laughs> listening to me. So why don't we like work together and like, you know, maybe it'll work out. And almost every teacher I talked to said um, something called social emotional learning. I didn't know what that meant at the time, but it basically was like, don't be a jerk, don't be a bully, but also like positive team building stuff. And I'm kind of built like I don't do anything halfway. So I really got into it and I really started doing research. And um, and basically what I found is that uh, teachers needed help talking with kids about the tough stuff mm. and that it's great to do an assembly. And I love visiting the school, but it's also great if you can leave behind a program or something that's ongoing for them. And so I won't go into the big long story, but I literally moved to Boston to build this company, which is called I'm Free You Learning. Uh, it's the letter I, letter M, number four, letter U, you know, I'm Free You Learning.com. And that's like kind of taken over my life in a really happy way. So when I'm not with Jimmy, I do this. And the, the idea is so simple. It just dawned to me like I was going to all these schools and these teachers were working so hard. And I'm like, y'all need some songs, man. Yeah. So, you know, so like common problem, kids are left out on the playground, which, you know, it happens to all of us usually, but it can get kind of serious. And um, so I wrote a song about a lonely broccoli. It's uh, left out of the salad and it doesn't know why. Wow. (laughs) Oh, man. That's amazing. I'm never going to leave a broccoli out of salad again. I know. (laughs) Oh, I'm so embarrassed. That's incredible. That, I mean, that that's an amazing thing that you do, especially when, you know, I mean, arts have always been in jeopardy in schools. And for yeah. you to kind of, you know, really focus a large part of your life on that, I mean, that's incredibly admirable. So, um, yeah, I mean, just thank you for what you do because it awesome. is so important. Well, well, thank you. And, and uh, you know, for saying that because it – it feels good when kids get it. It just, it feels so great because yeah. it's hard right now for kids. I mean, you know, I know that I grew up in a different different generation than y'all, but y- you all did. But, uh, you know, it's really tricky being a four or five or six year old or eight or nine or 10 year old these days. And so I figure any help we can give them, uh, let's do it. And And the good news is, you know, we finally have a product out and it's working. You know, teachers yeah. are saying after two weeks, the culture's changing. Kids are positive. Wow. Um, and they're helping each other. So that that feels really great. That's yeah. so cool. Do you have any um, stories of uh, kid interactions that you thought were just so funny that it's, <laughs> you know, that one kid that came up to you after that show? Absolutely. So oh, yeah. I'm playing this. What This was actually several years ago because I've been, I've been doing the kid stuff for a while. And so there was a point... Um, uh, where bell bottoms were actually, you know, like they actually came back for about six months. Yeah. <laughs> and and I, even, I must have missed yeah. it. Even they were surprised. <laughs> no, I, they were like, I know. Well, you're, <laughs> you're lucky that you missed it, right? But there, there was a little moment, and I think it was like around 2007 or whatever. Anyway, uh, but this was a while back. It was a long time ago when I had just started this stuff. And, and so, anyway, I'm wearing these these uh, you know these pants, and I'm doing this show. And I said, "Does anyone have any questions?" You know, this kid in front of the whole school. You know, this kid raises his hand. He goes, "Yeah, I got a question." I said, "Yeah, what's up?" He goes, "How come you're wearing girl pants?" <laughs> Which is st- totally you know, and this is way 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 before any you know gender issues or whatever. Right. But it was just so innocent and. And, you know, the, the uh, uh, there was another humility moment I had where this kid was like, you know, 
you're shaking hands and the kids are all high five and whatever. And one kid's like, you're, you look just like my grandpa. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you're like, thanks. <laughs> thanks so no, much. Nothing humbles you more than talking yeah. to like a six year old. <laughs> no. Totally. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's, that's so funny. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, well, Jim, we're, we're almost at time here, but we, we always like to talk about travel and vacationing and escapism. This is the, the Margaritaville podcast after all. So want to focus on that for a few minutes. Um, do you like to get out and take some time for yourself and get away? I do. I do. And uh, I sincerely do not mean this as a travelogue advertisement, but I can sincerely say, uh, you know, first of all, Key West was really a magical place and still is a magical place for me uh, to go back to. I love chilling at the beach and I love just getting away. I love nature and I love photography. Uh, you know, we had uh, the good fortune earlier this year of staying at the Margaritaville Hollywood in Florida. And I thought it was fantastic. I mean, I was like, sincerely, and I'm really, this is like, nobody's paying me anything to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, this is like, and, and I'm, I'm a terrible liar. So, so that's, you know, I'm really, <laughs> um, but I really loved it, actually. It was really comfortable, and it was a nice place to stay. The food was great. The people were friendly. And so for me, you know, it's been very different up here in, in Boston. I've been here for five years. Grew up in St. Louis, and then I was in Nashville for 20 years. Um, so the, the you know, the wildlife and the terrain and stuff up here is really different. Um, but I'm loving it. But mostly... I love hiking and, um, you know, anytime I can get around the beach, I'm there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, before you go, we, we like to do something with all of our coral reefers. Um, we've been doing, uh, uh, superlatives and I think you must've heard about this. You must've heard about this. I know, I know when we were there, people were passing them back and forth. And so, um, uh, we have a couple that we wanted to ask you. We've been compiling a big list, um, uh, and so we were wondering if you'd you'd be interested in in helping us fill out these superlatives. Sure, yeah, right. I'll do my best. Incredible. <laughs> okay, so I think we usually start with the class clown. Do you have a class clown? Who who would you say is the class clown of the coral reefers? Uh, well, wow, that's a great question. I was going to say Hakey Larson, but he's not in the. Oh yeah, he counts. Well, Hakey, we've Hakey before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Crew counts crew too. Crew counts. Everyone who's. <laughs> Everybody who's involved is is in, so we can use Hakey. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, I I think you know yeah, and and before Hakey, it was probably me. I mean, people used to get me drunk and just just to see what I would do. Like, let's get him drunk and see what he does. A little social experiment for the night. <laughs> That's good. Um, okay, how about best hair? Who's got the best hair in the group? Oh, Tina. Tina. Tina's yeah, popped up a couple great times. Hair. Yes. I mean, What's up with that? I know. <laughs> What's going on? It's all right. It's too good. Um, well, uh, what about most fashionable? Oh. Well, it's definitely not me. That's for sure. <laughs> you know, I'm laughing because, you know, we stay at all these like five-star hotels and stuff. And people are, I mean, you know, just straight up, man, some of us just dress terribly. So, <laughs> so I look around and like, you know, they're going down to the gym and like tie-dye t-shirts and, you know, so whatever. I mean, we're not trying for fashion. So um, <laughs> let me think about that. Gosh, I'm almost going to go with, well, it, it would probably need to be Tina, but but I already said Tina, so we got to pick somebody else. Okay. I would say Eric Darkin. Oh, Eric. okay. okay. Yeah, snappy dresser. He's styling shoes, man. He does. Yeah. Subtle, but classy. Totally. I love that. Okay. Uh, how about biggest wild cards? So like on stage, off stage, you never know what they're going to do. Unexpected. <laughs> Okay, well, that would, this is, she's, she has not been in the band for years, but it would be Amy Lee. Okay. Um, oh. Dearly, uh, Amy Lee was incredible and also very unpredictable. Um, <laughs> but let's see who else would be um, a biggest wild card. I mean, I would have to say, Jim, is Jimmy ruled out? Cause no, Jimmy, no, Jimmy absolutely, counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. He's the one. Oh, I mean, yeah. He's like, 
And, and, and it's, yeah, Jimmy. He's there, walking out of a sperm costume. I was going to say, <laughs> sperm costume, Rocky Raccoon. You've described him before we even got to it. Yeah, That's totally. a wild card. <laughs> totally. Uh, what about Mr. or Miss Congeniality? Which you've gotten this a couple of times. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think we can vote for ourselves. No. Uh, <laughs> well, Roger but, uh, Roger voted for himself. Roger voted most fashionable <laughs> himself. <laughs> you know what? He does have really nice shoes. He does. And, he does. Yeah. Yeah. No, Roger, Roger sports some and great sunglasses, too. So I'm yeah. sorry, Roger. I forgot you on the most fashionable. <laughs> Roger called himself most fashionable. I'm going to call myself most. Now, oh, that just doesn't. Uh, I can't do it. No, oh, we can call you. Got, you it. Come on. We'll, we'll give it to you. <laughs> Eric could be that, too. Okay. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Peter's mellow and chill, but he's not really what I would refer as congenial. Mm, you know, that's, sure. That's another. That's almost being a TV host. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's true. <laughs> okay. How about a uh, long winded storyteller? Once you get them started, they just keep going. Oh man, that would be, uh, <laughs> these are great questions. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's Mac is by far the best storyteller. And the way you said it, where once he gets going, he never stops. I mean, that's, you know, Mac is classier than that. He knows when to stop the story, but this dude, unbelievable. He can, you know, long winded, that doesn't sound positive, but Mac is a storyteller, man. Oh yeah. 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 Just, if, if you're at, okay. So like here, picture this, you're in a van, you're on your way to the show and you hit a track of it, traffic jam and you're there for like 45 minutes. Max just rocking the stories. <laughs> That's great. You need that guy in your life. You need someone yeah. to take you yeah, through that traffic jam for sure. Well, yeah. And trust me, the band, they would not survive being in the band. If they rambled for 45 minutes, they would be kicked out. <laughs> That's true. I love you, but shut up. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You gotta pass the vibe check. Uh, and then our last one was most hidden talents. Who do you think has the most hidden talents of the coral reefers? I would say probably Nadira mm. or Roger. Um, because Nadira, because she is an incredible lyricist and songwriter and um, and we know she's an incredible singer, but she's really uh, quite uh, a developed artist, you know, in her own right. So she comes to mind, but also Roger, because he has all these other albums as this guy Scotch, you know, which is yeah. kind of mm. like this this uh, character that he sings and, and it's him, but it's it's incredible songwriting. And Roger does all this jazz stuff cool. that uh, that he he does as well. So. Yeah, that's awesome. amazing. Uh, well, Jim, thank you again for joining us today. You know, like we said at the top of the show, our hearts go out to you and the rest yeah. of the band. You know, you guys are providing a lot of light to people that need it right now. So, uh, yeah, really appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, and this was such a great conversation. Thanks for chatting with us. How can we uh, follow you? What? Where should we go to check out your stuff? If 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 I am a principal of a school and I want to bring you to my school, where, where do I go? Yeah, where you go is uh, the website is imforyoulearning.com, and that's just the letter I, the letter M, the number four, the letter U, imforyoulearning.com. And that's from there you can find all our social media, and you can send a contact and say, hey, I want you to come to our school, or we want to check out your program. And I love working with educators. My mom was a teacher, uh, and it's nothing like seeing the light go on in a, in a child's eyes. I mean, it just Great. nothing could beat it. awesome love it well thanks man really appreciate your time you guys are awesome this was fun this is great this (laughs) is great i could talk to you for two more hours truly so thanks for thanks for taking the time highlight of my day Uh, for sure yeah (laughs) absolutely and i want to hear about we'll we'll follow up another time i want to hear about your kids stuff yes i will i would love to yeah i'm part of something called story pirates story pirates which i don't know if you know about that but it takes stories written by kids and then we perform them for the kids we take them back to the kids so uh something i I was involved i love that it was very cool we'll talk we'll talk yeah Yeah, it's something that uh, i care a lot about as well so uh we'll talk soon all right hey guys have a good one thanks Thanks, jim Jim. bye see you take care thank you all right see ya bye
Patrick, that was Jim Mayer, uh, nicest guy I think I've ever talked to. Yeah, I couldn't stop smiling after that interview. Yeah. He's such a bright light, and he was so gracious. He gave us so much time, too, and I think we went over. He was really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, really. I want to hang out with him. Me, too. I, I We got to get in the same you know, city. What's so nice is you, when you and I were in Nashville uh, in 2023, we went to a concert, and Jim came by after the concert, shook our hands, and said, hey, I've heard a lot about you guys the band really i just wanted to come over and say hi yeah we hadn't met him we hadn't met him we would have been like, jim we've heard a lot of, about you we've heard a lot from you we've yes. been listening to your music our entire <laughs> life it was really 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 cool uh also funky as a diaper funky as a diaper <laughs> funky as a diaper are you kidding me i mean that's a bop that's a jam right if there ever i've heard one <laughs> ryan we like to talk about what we've done this past week that is margaritaville yeah uh whether it be a real margaritaville thing or something more in the margaritaville state of mind so what for you is Margaritaville this week? Well, something that we did on Friday is we had our third live show at the Margaritaville in Hollywood. Uh, I think it was our best one yet. It was really, really fun. We had some music. We had some comedy. We gave out some cool swag. It was a blast. If you're in the LA area, you got to come hang out at our Hollywood happy hour shows. We're doing them about once a month. You can check our social media uh, for uh, dates and stuff like that, but you got to come hang out. You got to come hang out. Patrick, what about you? What have you done that is very Margaritaville? Well, you know, I'm going to say I celebrated Jimmy Buffett Day. Mm. Jimmy Buffett oh, Day yeah. officially uh, established by the Florida Capitol on January 25th because they announced on last Thursday, Jimmy Buffett Day, January 25th, that they are renaming A1A, the f- highway that goes from Key West to Florida, mainland Florida, is now being renamed to be the uh, Jimmy Buffett Memorial Highway. Incredible. What an, uh, like, one of the most famous highways in America, yeah. I would say. Uh, what an honor. I mean, it's so cool. Also, the scope of a life. Jimmy wrote songs about that highway. He has an album dedicated to that highway. Now that highway is being named after him. Incredible. It is so cool. So happy Jimmy Buffett Day to everybody. Fins up. Fins up, indeed. But Ryan, didn't you know, it's time to check out. Oh, it is, isn't it? Well, until next time, I am Ryan Middledorf. I'm Patrick McDonald. We will see you next week. License to Chill is the official Margaritaville podcast produced by Tamara Baldanza-Decker, Courtney Watkins, and Kirsten Winquest. Art by Tom Boyd. Music by Aaron McAnally and Mick Utley. Additional resources provided by Coleman Sisson. New episodes are released every Monday. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts.